Geelong finished round eight, seven wins, one loss. 16 goals, eight, 104. Come away from Docklands against North Melbourne, 11 goals, 14, 80. Another four points on the board, seven to one on the ladder. Four points clear of second. Couldn't envision this happening at all. With me here on the podcast, as always, Jake and Ol. How are we going, guys? Good, thanks, Ro. Thank you. Not too bad, thanks, Ro. Plenty to talk about this week. Very happy days. Since round one, it's been hard to criticise the team in, in any aspect, but this game really was, apart from, I guess, round one against Collingwood, when we didn't know what to expect, probably our toughest win that we've actually managed this season, especially when we were up by over five goals sometimes, and North to come back in the, the fourth quarter and with over three, four minutes stoppage time on the clock, only two goals, 11 points in it. And it was nervy moments. Jake, we got through this one in the end. On the stats sheet, fairly even. We did beat them in the clearance department, 45 to 34. Inside 50s were matched. Contested possessions were fairly even as well. Reese did a good job in the hit-out department matching Todd Goldstein, who's arguably probably the third-best ruckman in the competition, followed by Max Gorn and Grundy. We didn't get them up in the tackle count, but we still were around there, 53 to 58. The one key thing that Chris got mentioned in his post-match press conference was the kicking accuracy. That's why Geelong finished 16-8 and North finished 11 goals, 14. Thoughts through this match, Jake? Yeah, it was, well, definitely the, the teams that I think can really push along in games this season will be, be these sort of fast teams like GWS and Adelaide, and now we've seen that North can also. I think um, you mentioned that we got pushed at stages during this game, and I think it would be fair to say if this was a game from last year or the year before, we probably would have lost and let North take the lead and hold from there. But there was definitely two stages during the game where North pushed us almost to breaking point and you know Ben Brown had three goals in almost three minutes and they put a, a lot of score on very quickly and I think it showed a real maturity from uh, the team and, and some of the senior and, and younger players as well to not only stop the flow of momentum for North Melbourne but also gain some ascendancy back and, and not just like be okay with you know, oh, they kicked four goals this quarter, we'll just hold on. They actually tried to get some score back and get some ascendancy in the game again, so um, definitely some some real positives out of this game. It wasn't the best game ever, um, but you know we got the win, and that's what we came to do. Um, there was a few injuries, which sort of uh, soured the result for us, but there were some great performances, which we'll talk about later. And um, yeah, what do you reckon, Ol? What did you think of this week? Uh, yeah, well, um, in terms of uh, you know w- winning from the position that we're in with uh, with North sort of banging the door down and and wanting to get back into the game and we hold them at arm's length for, you know, the five or six minutes that remains for the game. It's really just a case that they're cream rising to the top, I think, with um, Kelly and Ablett having such profound impact at various stages throughout the game, particularly Ablett in the last three or four minutes um, with his two clutch goals he's an absolute superstar we've used all the all the terms we can think of and all the adjectives we can think of to describe him over the years and um nothing seems to do him justice he's just just uh he surprises you every week and just does does special things every week he's just a special player um and we're very much privileged to um watch him run around and do the uh, do the incredible things that he does because um, he is you know quite possibly top five in the best players of all time and there's an argument to say he is the all time best uh, in terms of other players that had the impact obviously I mentioned Kelly you know he could almost name his figure now for a a, a contract in future. Um, and they're, you know, suggesting that he could be a, a million dollar man and, and these sorts of things. That's probably not out of the question. I'd, you know, I'd struggle to, to think of, uh, any 
present day midfielders at the at the moment in um this season anyway that are as that are playing as well as him and having as much impact. So he's you know probably within the top five of the best players in the comp. He could um, even be leading the Brownlow at the moment. Oh, he's second yeah. in the coaches' votes. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's got a serious chance at, at a Brownlow this year. No reason why he couldn't win it. Both players who raised their TK and Gaz have been talked about early for Brownlow contention. You mentioned privilege there, Ol, and, and Dwayne Russell upon watching the replay for the second time. His words were, the two greatest players I've ever seen in my lifetime are Gary Ablett, meaning senior and junior, obviously. But this is a man that's played 329 games following the MRO non-suspension. Again, second week running, has never been suspended in his whole career. Through 16 years, he's still producing miracles, kicking 22 goals, putting on an absolute clinic against North Melbourne, which he loves to to do against North Melbourne for some strange reason. 16 disposals, four goals, five inside 50s, and his goals were just clutch goals. Fantastic. TK on the other side, he was just absolutely immense. 29 disposals. The clearance count was ridiculous for TK as well. When one... When either TK or Danger isn't performing, the other just seems to just step up and have an absolute blinder. <laughs> so if, if you're opposition, you, it's tough to tag one, really, Jake. You wouldn't really know, <laughs> do you tag it, uh, TK or do you tag Danger? And to be fair, DeBoer did fantastically uh, at Kidney Park against both of them. But an amazing game from TK here. And again... For the eighth week, run, week running, minus probably one or two players, and we'll talk about some injuries a little bit later, a 22-man performance again, albeit some star moments from Gaz and TK. Yeah, as you said, yeah, if you know you don't tag one of Kelly in danger, then the other field is just going to get off the uh, going to get off the chain. The great thing about our midfield at the moment is that we have consistent performances every week so far this year and and like we said you know Dangerfield or Kelly seem to have a half each where they would dominate you've got Mitch Duncan being consistently getting 30 25 disposals every single week you've got Charlie Constable coming in as a late in stepping up in the absence of Selwood and Menegola you've got the defense working very very well uh, doing the job intercepting marks and helping the midfield out as well and then you've got the forwards creating pressure and terrorizing opposition defenses and creating goals from that so all of our wins so far and pretty much all of our games so far this year we've played to a pretty strict brand and looked fantastically um heading back to tim kelly for a moment he his individual game was fantastic considering uh his first quarter was quite quiet i think he only had two or three uh, disposals in the first quarter and from that point onwards i think he had 13 touches in the second quarter and, and just went ballistic and as you said, both of his goals were fantastic, and especially that one from the pocket or, or the boundary where Guthrie handballed to him and it was just Ablett mm. and Kelly just free in the pocket, surprisingly, after a stoppage, and Kelly just slotted that one from there, which was amazing. And, yeah, what can you say about Gary Ablett? Just keeps on keeping on. And, you know, maybe if Hawkins goes down, we just leave Ablett at full forward instead of half forward and see what happens then. <laughs> We talk about Tim Kelly right there having an outstanding game in the midfield. But to be fair to North Melbourne, we have to give them a lot of credit. This match, Ollie, I think, the likes of Sean Higgins stood up, 31 disposals, along with the absolute rock, Ben Cunnington, 29 disposals, who was a a tough, tough opponent. Trenty Mont also racking up disposals, led the likes for some inside 50s into Ben Brown and Mason Wood and, and those likes. As as we all but predicted last week, it was going to be a tough game. It was a tough game. North Melbourne's, um, you know, the quality that North Melbourne does have, uh, the players that they have that are competitive and experienced players did have an impact for them. Um, I just think that potentially our stars were just a little bit better than their stars. Um, when it mattered. And whilst they were playing a, a terrific brand of football um, that 
seemingly is the way to to beat us or to, to really compete with us and push us. They were their own worst enemy with their turnovers and their um poor disposal at times. Yeah, exactly. And I guess, Jake, this is the thing that we haven't mentioned this year that we keep on talking to, the lack of calling out a bottom six when you have the likes of from North Melbourne, Curtis Taylor, uh, Jed Anderson, who we mentioned last week was a strong performer, didn't really stand up. Taylor Garner, Mason Wood didn't take his chances in front of goal, although he was a, a pest at times. Sam Durden, he can enjoy a one-match ban. Um, <laughs> but it really is the, the, the quality of the 22 versus the opposition. And yet, in terms of the midfield, they really, really pressed us. Really happy as our squad as a whole in terms of the, the overall output. We'll talk about the injuries and the the men that we had fallen down in, in a little bit. But are you slightly worried about how North were able to capitalise and open us up through the corridor throughout the match? At Sometimes at at ease. Um, it it is a bit of a a bit of a worry, but I still I still think the backline know that that's an an issue that could arise in certain games. They'd know that teams would um, use you know their attacking run and carry to their advantage, and there would be balls coming into the fifty you know at pace, and and they would have you know a Harry Taylor sort of ready to run off their opponent, or Stewart would be ready to intercept depending who were playing, but. As you mentioned, that's probably the one way that uh, teams are going to beat us this year, just by absolute blistering speed and efficient ball skills and uh, entrances into the 50. Um, but like I said, yeah, I'd, I'd back our defence to to be able to beat that. Um, you're not going to beat it every single time, but you can still negate it. And, mm-hmm. you know, say we played, you know, the Bulldogs, and they're not a particularly fast team, but say we play them next week and they adopt a game plan of, you know, run and carry through the middle and, you know, quick entrances into the 50. I'd back, you know, one of our, well, obviously our coaching staff and our defensive players to make adjustments in-game, in quarters, to be able to negate that sort of game style. You talked about the bottom six players, and I have to agree with you there. North's bottom six did cost them a little bit. They weren't the worst ever, but they just didn't contribute as much as North would have liked. And, Again, absolute credit to North. They still played a fantastic game. They look to have found their form this year in the game style that will bring them back into the season after a really slow start. Talking about our bottom six, um, you look at it and you know everyone there apart from Atkins, who essentially had no impact on the game based on his injury. You look at Radigalia, who had only seven disposals and a couple of marks. He, you look at his stats and you think he hasn't really done much. And we, we keep backing him up saying that He's performing his role quite well still, regardless whether it reverts to a score. I still think, um, you know, maybe Abbott or Fort should have come in for Asava this week, and and that's not to say Asava's playing poorly, but while we have the opportunity to get games into these players, instead of having to do it, you know, around, you know, 15 to 20, and it's too late if we need to bring them into finals, for example, I'd rather be doing that now and just seeing what their their worth is now instead of um, too late. Um, so, yeah, our, our bottom six aren't costing us games like they have done in previous seasons, which is good. They're all they're all still doing their job, and there might be bottom six in the stat sheet, but they might be, you know, top six in, in tackles or pressure assists or or certain stats like this. So I, I, I'm pretty happy with uh, the team performances for every game pretty much this year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to mind, all there are only two players that but we didn't perform to the output that I would expect. One being Zach Tui, that I can forgive not playing last week and coming back from injury, mm. may not be 100% fully fit, still finishes the match with 93% disposable efficiency uh, from his, his 15 disposals. And, and albeit a, a good match from Zach in some respects, breaking lines through the corridor or at least attempting to, Still, Tom Stewart remains the main rebound 50 for us, even when Zach Tui is in the team now. So a slight change there. The other one you raised, Jake, there, the Savarada Galea. Now, a bit of point of contention here. Round eight now, Darcy Fort has kicked another three goals in the VFL. He continues to rack up kicking bags and twos and threes, along with gaining 10 to 15 disposals and helping out in the ruck department. After eight rounds, 
a 20-year-old body sub who's played 14 games now for the Cats, the exploder, you could be our X factor. Would that be the more appropriate, consistent option? Or would trying out Darcy Fort at a centre-half role, centre-half forward role slash, slash ruck rotation role against the Bulldogs at home with Tim English, um, potentially Boyd in the ruck, not a strong ruck department. They've got the the opportune moment for Darcy Fort to be blooded and to try him out. Mm-hmm. Ollie, thoughts there? That that's a that's a reasonable argument to make. It'll be ultimately up to the selection panel to to make that call. But um, in regards to the discussion of the um. The defense being really solid and, you know, setting up and repelling the entries from the North Melbourne midfielders to to their forwards. Um, Part of the responsibility obviously has to fall on our midfield, you know, to kind of uh, negate the, the springboard effect of North Melbourne's defense into attack. Um, It can't be just on the defenders to do the defending. The less the defence has to do, the better, you would think. Yeah, 47 inside 50s for both clubs on the weekend. That did come in spells where Cats kicked a bag of five, followed by North kicking three and four and pushing it back. And it was that sort of momentum game. Jake, the young kids standing up again. Jordan Clark playing on the wing, not playing half back. Kicking two goals, one from the center, one from center, one from seventy meters out. Um, Brandon Parfit, another game under his belt now. Twenty-three disposals, didn't have the tackle output, was still there and about. Good, really good from from Brandon. Um, Mark O'Connor, he just continues to amaze Geelong fans who thought that he mm-hmm. probably wasn't in our best twenty-two at the start of the season. I know he got caught holding holding the ball at. At one time in our defensive 50 this match, where I thought he had a solid game all round. Jack Henry has become a, a type of Mitch Duncan player that you don't really mention that much because you know what you're going to expect with Jack Henry. Uh, Cole yeah. Jasney down the back was a bit the same. I thought the young kids did really, really well. Charlie Constable, a late emergency. We'll talk a little bit about injuries just in a second, but the Chook to finish with 27 disposals and a good disposal efficiency on top of that, uh, gaining some tackles. It was a good return for Chook, but the icing on the cake, round Mm. eight, rising star, Grind Myers, Jake. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I said last week in the player ratings that the selectors will be forced to choose him as the nomination any week now because he's playing that well consistently that well and actually contributing to the team so much. Commiserations to Shea Bolton, who did kick four goals for Richmond in their game against Free. I thought that he might have got it this week, but obviously I was really pleased that Grind got the nomination for round eight. So his dispose, well, his stats for this week was 22 disposals, eight marks, three inside 50s, seven score involvements, which is a really important part of his game. One goal three, admittedly. The most important thing for me is 19 pressure acts. Yeah, that's, only, that's fantastic. He, he only yeah. recorded three official tackles, but 19 pressure acts is ridiculous. And he just mm. absolutely buzzes around a forward line and the midfield, and he just hunts the ball along with Dalhouse, along with Parfit as well, who was fantastic in his last two games for his tackling and pressure out, uh, efforts. Uh, I, can't, I can't even really put into words how excited I am for Grind Myers to receive this nomination. I don't know if he'd be the third best rookie of this season behind Walsh and Rosie, but he's 100% the number one value for money rookie at pick 51. That's an absolute steal. And Ol, I think you mentioned in the group chat the other day, it's uh, our recruiting staff, again, just showing their worth and, and getting these gems in the rough. And yeah, it's come up trumps again this week and this year. Well, he's, he's an absolute star, man. He's, you know, I don't know what else to say. We've we've sung his praises now for for uh, seven consecutive weeks, eight consecutive weeks. Um, Crazy, you know, just more of more of the same. 
Um, he's a settled best 22 player now, I think. And, you know, his output around the ground in terms of the, uh, the work rate and the, um, the distance covered is, is verging on elite already because it's, um, it's well over 10 Ks covered a game. He's oh, be getting in the top five, like most most kilometers for Geelong. Guess yeah. how much time on ground he spent on the weekend? Oh, seventies, ninety nine percent. Well, there you go. There's his so, fitness level for you. We've talked about Mark Darv's absolute endurance capabilities, and yeah, a hundred for Blitzars, but. Ollie, you raised this last week in terms of the actual the distance that Myers ran and his endurance. And to, to finish the match with the stats he's had, with Gary Rowan down to the bench, Tom Atkins with an injury, who came back on just to stick a full <laughs> forward and do it for the club. It was classic Tom Atkins-like. But we had several injuries. Tom Stewart was off the ground for a good 20 minutes or so. Meanwhile, Grant Myers is still on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, he's he's just a just a genuine star, man. Just a genuine star. And um, you know, if you talk to anyone in in I guess local footy circles, they would be saying much the same for uh, for the majority of his junior career as well. He's been doing this sort of stuff since he was, you know, a young teenager. And um, they were saying in the coverage of the game that. It's quite baffling how a a player that's game that the game is so built around pressure acts and uh, forward pressure and tackling and you know harassing and also having such a great sense for uh, for kicking goals. How he ends up being a a player that picked in the fifties in the draft is um is rather baffling. I mean. We we know of his uh, ten goal grand final. Um, was it ten goals? Ten goals. Well, I think that was uh, still side bottom actually. Yeah, but, side uh, bottom had ten. Yeah, but uh, you know, um, seven goals in the seven goals in the TAC Cup grand final. Um, you know, so he's had he has the ability for uh, you know the the got the typical goal sneak. Um. That we haven't had for a little while. A lot of the players that were brought in have been players that have really added more to our team because they're players that we haven't had for a little while, or they're players that we've never had. You know? And I think he emphasised the change to our team as a whole this year as well, because he he's really just like the finishing touch to like all the changes that we've made, and he's just like the cherry on top, just. That nice little finisher does like all all the work and just has that extra little bit at the end, like the extra one goal or the extra repeat effort or tackle. And I, and I think he's like, you know, the poster boy for how Geelong as a whole has changed this year. Uh, to, to be honest, I was surprised that he even got picked in our first team for round one. And like I I always thought he was good, but the, you know we had players like Narkel and Jermaine, Jermaine Jones that were in the VFL, and I was like, oh, you know, Myers is in this, okay. Interesting to see what he does, and I keep going back to that effort in the middle of the G against Collingwood, where it was like a one-on-three, and he sort of courageously went back with a flight and halved a, a one-on-three contest, and and from that moment on, I've, I've been 100% sold on him, and he's been fantastic ever since. So credit to him. Yeah, yeah, he's um, he just he just plays with with a with a lot of heart, and um, there has to be oh, mention made of um. I think of his uh, technique with his kicking, um, yeah. in particular, with his um, with his like. Essentially, it's a if you think of it in cricket terms, it's like a short back backlift. Um, yeah, with, he doesn't have much of a wind up with his kick, so he can quickly nah, a little, little sideways stab. Yeah, he can quickly um, you know dispose of the ball. It doesn't necessarily always have the greatest distance, but it's um, you know it's accurate. It's accurate and it's fast. Um, and when you're, when you're prone to being around, you know, the 40, 40, 30, 20 meter mark close to goal, that's all you need. You know, those little, little, um, little chiseling yeah. kicks or straight kicks. 
he only he only has to be able to kick you know forty meters if he's close to goal all the time. Mm. Yeah, he was incredible on the weekend. I think he's may have gained this rising star because he's just done almost eight rounds in a row. So they've had to give it to him at some stage. Yeah, yeah I don't um, think, I don't think to, this was yeah. necessarily his best game. The one against Adelaide was probably his best, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for, for actual impact. And there, were, there was so much media talk uh, about him that, that week. But I think that's the week that Rosie kicked five goals as well against Brisbane. So every week since then, there's been, like, he's been probably the most consistent since then. But there's just been one good player that's had a fantastic, like, awesome game since then. But he's been mm. consistently over that time. So I think. You know, Bolton, you know, maybe just had a bit of a better game with four goals, which is fantastic for him this week. But based on his last month's effort and body of work, I think they just had to give it to him, which I'm happy with. And I'm sure Bolton will get another opportunity at some stage this year. Yeah. Quick shout out, Jake, to some other players that we we haven't mentioned in this match who I thought had a, a really good game. Mitch Duncan, 29 disposals. Again, doing the simple things really well. But on top of that, eight tackles which we're yeah. not so used to with Mitch Duncan. So great, mm. great signs there. Uh, Harry Taylor, 20 disposals again. How, how many weeks have we seen Harry getting <laughs> around 18, 20 disposals and, and pushing forward? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit strange. Tom Stewart getting an absolute clangor of a knock to the head slash neck. Mm, we're not sure if it's concussion or not. Name another player other than Tom Stewart that 20 minutes later could get back on the field. I, I don't like concussions and I don't like players going back onto the field generally if there's a potential for concussion, but obviously the, the doctors and the medics would have done their due diligence and it, it was just a, a sore neck issue, but he's just, he's not human. <laughs> he's just an absolute <laughs> gun. Cam Guthrie, I thought, had a really solid match again. There's a few weeks in a row now. 21 disposals, which may go under the radar, but I thought his use, again, from defence midfield, even pressing two forward, was was still really, really good. The last one, I guess, to shout out, the last two, sorry, Mark Blitzarves, 11 one percenters playing against Ben Brown, who did get off the chain a little bit and had a bit of a spell for a few minutes and ended up with four goals. But 11 one percenters to Blitz, it just shows he had a really good game. We know he's not the best kicker in the team, so to end up, with his disposals over 90% disposal efficiency, doing the simple things right when he has the ball out from the back. Really good signs. Uh, and, of course, Hawkins, four goals straight, Twyro full forward. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily going to be able to stop Ben Brown from impacting the score. Um, he, you know, yeah. he provides such a target for North Melbourne. And he's so accurate because he gives himself so much time to wind up and kick the ball um so you know he he rarely will miss from within the 50 meter arc um Mm. so for him to kick a handful of goals is is pretty standard because he's he's you know for a few years now he's been one of the higher uh, finishes in the coleman medal um and he would be a strong contender for the medal this year if Jeremy Cameron wasn't Close down. <laughs> just streaks ahead at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was yeah. going to say, I, I, it, it sounds weird what I'm about to say, but I, I actually think that Blitzar broke even with Ben Brown. And I know Brown kicked five goals, but I reckon Brown could have had, you know, seven, eight, nine goals at stages. And, and there were certain ones that Blitzar stopped with, you know, a spoil or an intercept mark or, or a block on Brown mm. where it would have been like a certain mark, a certain goal. And, and obviously the, there was that one with Ben Brown where he had about four attempts to kick the ball in the goal square and then tried to trap it and it fell through the points as well. He could have had another one there. But I think Blitzar played a really fantastic role. And, and a lot of those one percenters would have probably been spoils or, you know, punches away from Ben Brown or pro- probably about five spoils. I reckon I can remember clearly on, on Ben Brown or you know, around that sort of goal square area. North in recent weeks have been fairly criticised and last week they did flog Carlton uh, as good as North were, as bad as Carlton were the week before. Regardless of that, they have been criticised recently regarding 
their efficiency inside forward. And I think a lot of that is to do with losing Jared Waite this year and having Mason Wood playing as a second full forward um, who is more easier to man up, only finished the match with one goal. He was a bit of a pest at times, but he wasn't uh, too much of a handful for our defenders. But So they're essentially a lot of the times kicking to just Ben Brown on his own. And mm. But a few of the goals that he did get, I remember one that was... It's just an extremely solid mark. It was just a textbook expert mark. Blitzarves even had a, a really good defensive fist in, but it was just that his hands were just connected perfectly. I think another one, he just had a Jeremy Cameron-like sprint off Stewart at the time. One, he was left marking on Mark O'Connor. So you can, I, I'd, I'd completely agree with you, Jake. 11 to 11.1% is two blitzarves and goals aside from Ben Brown from Ben Brown when he's their main outlet of the day I think Blitz did an amazing job yeah and and Brown's such a you know I love him as as a person but he's just such an efficient player he just as simple as he marks the ball he goes back and he kicks it and and that's it he gets his three goals every single game um, he's had a fantastic season, and yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably give Brown the points on the day, but I, I know that Blitzarv stopped a lot more goals from going through. Can I just mention while we're talking about goals as well? Currently in the top ten of the Coleman Medal uh, rate, we have three Geelong players in the top ten. So Hawkins on nineteen after his bag before he's been fantastic, and he had a fantastic game as well, and saved our bacon in the third quarter when he kicked those two goals sort of late. Gary Rowan is coming just beneath Hawkins with 17 goals, and Gary Ablett is third, well, seventh in the goal-kicking medal with 16 as well, which is fantastic to see a spread of goals uh, from our forward line. Fantastic to see it from, you know, two relatively new players to the team. And again, you go back a little bit further down to at the fourth in line of the goal-kicking for Geelong is Brian Myers on 10. And so three of the four players who are our top uh, goal scorers are relatively new to the team and um, we're pretty much the core reason for the success so far based on this new game plan revolving around those players. Fantastic to see up forward. Talking points from this match came uh, Gary Abbott's bump again. Doesn't get uh, sent to the MRO. MRO has a look at it. Michael Christensen. I'm Christian. Nothing much to it. Suspension still intact. No more talking points there, boys. We'll move on to the injury fronts now. Uh, Gary Rowan. Really, really bad one. Copped by Durden to the head from a bump. Uh, came out in the third quarter, put the tracksuit on. He looked quite groggy on the bench. Not sure if we'll see him next week at Western against Western Bulldogs. To be honest, when it comes to concussions... And players do suffer concussions. I'm not fussed when they get back. I just hope that they really, really are okay and fit because it really is, I think, in football, one of the worst things to watch. Mm-hmm. Along with that, Tom Atkins had an injury but still spent stacks of the game on ground at full forward <laughs> just because of the fact that Gary Rowan was off the ground because for periods, Tom Stewart was also off the ground clashing heads, uh, which we've already mentioned, and fortunately it looks like he, he should be okay. But credit to Tom Atkins, it obviously plagued by an injury, couldn't run too much, still puts his hand up. I can't say more than that, really. The, the good news is, obviously, it mustn't have been a, a severe uh, hamstring injury. If it was, it, mu- it must have just been a, a you know a small strain that was obviously still causing him some discomfort. I, I couldn't believe, you know, I watched the replay and I heard that Atkins was off. And at the time, I was at, at work and sort of following the game on my phone, and there kept being you know tweets and Facebook stuff coming up that Atkins was injured. And then I posted in a couple of groups and people saying like, "No, nah, Atkins is like right there. He's playing. He's at full forward." And I was like, I couldn't believe that. Watching the replay, he just kept coming back on. It was like every quarter he had like this miraculous comeback to full forward. He would get tackled again and then would limp off. It was crazy. He sacrificed himself for the team. Yeah, which I love. That is that is mm-hmm. the you know that's the ethos of of 
Geelong that we want to redevelop. Exactly. Fantastic four points on the road to Docklands. We'll be back next week to Western Bulldogs Twilight match on Saturday. Have a break, boys, and then answer some Q&A questions. Yep, sounds good. No worries. Straight to it, Ollie. Steve Edmondson asked, should Graham Myers get a haircut for all Australian presentations? <laughs> like for professional standards. I like and, that one. And these sorts of I like that. Well, who knows if he... Well, well he's doing he's, he's doing very well. Um, wouldn't go as far as to say um, all Australian intention quite yet but he has a, a lot of potential and could there's no reason why that couldn't be um you know a future uh, future occurrence for him or something for him to aspire to i think he is probably talented enough to make it into a team or make it into at least a squad of of you know the 40 odd players that that um, make up the team each year um so to t- yeah whilst it's obviously a a joke in some sense i think um it might be something that he has to consider at some point in his career the way things are going mr positivity ben jarman says albert has a time machine tim kelly again amazing slow patches but at our full strength i hope that we can i hope we can go one better this year i love it ben as always on the ball jake John Talbot says, can we maintain our momentum whilst our upcoming fixtures are comparatively easier than our first five games? We've incurred many injuries recently, even in the VFL. Great question, Josh. Now, this brings us to a a bit of VFL chart, Jake. So the VFL boys played on the weekend. They lost to North Melbourne. Injuries suffered. Lockie Henderson, uh, lower leg injury, coming back from a plantar fascia complaint. Now, on top of that, Wally Buzzer, concussion, Quinton Narkel, hamstring injury. The good news from the VFL match was the likes of Jed Buse, Scott Selwood, and Lockie Fogarty played limited time in the return to hopefully AFL. So, thoughts there, Jake, on on Josh Josh's question? Can we maintain our momentum within mind? The injuries we have suffered this match being Gay Rowan. Uh, potentially Tom Atkins, and also the boys in the VFL that were hoping to push away and be in line for contention, the likes of Hendo. Thoughts there? Yeah, absolutely. Having depth um, going into a final series uh, and at any stage during the year is such an important factor that a lot of people overlook as well. If you have, you know, like a 7 out of 10 good midfielder go down for the year and you bring in like you know just a fresh face rookie that sort of gets like their 10 disposals but doesn't really do the same job you're actually losing a lot towards the the actual team balance you look at the last three premiers um so you would go back to the bulldogs and that team that beat sydney pretty much had six players that were no name players and you know one that springs to mind is fletcher roberts who towed up buddy franklin on the day you look at the Richmond Tigers the next year, and they had a lot of players such as Shy Bolton, such as Jack Higgins, that came in off their VFL list and gave them so much during the year. And then obviously you look at West Coast uh, last year, Andrew Gaff goes out with that suspension, and who comes in? Dom Sheed kicks the winning goal. End of story. Depth is such an important thing to have, as I said, going into a final series. And if we can maintain uh, you know, a couple of players on each line, if we ever have injuries in the senior team, hopefully we can get those players in and not do you know, a 10 out of 10, 10 job, but we just need them to come in and do a role. I think at the moment, the games, well, we look at our scoreline 7-1, and one, and that's obviously fantastic, but a lot of the games, we haven't smashed a lot of teams. We've just been you know, getting the wins up. I don't think our form compared to the, the rest of the competition is that much far and above where you know the, the second place team is. I just think we're going week by week, getting the win 
that we have to, doing the small little roles within the games that we have to. And I think that's an easier thing to continue throughout a year rather than, you know, trying to smash people by 80 points every week because that's when you get, you know, complacent and, you know, you go out every week expecting to smash teams instead of just going out there to win. I think that's an important thing to remember too. So if we keep going the way we're going, we're looking fantastic. And from here, we're looking at a top four spot and hopefully a home final. And then we'll see what happens there. Finals is a different story. So we'll talk then. I wouldn't be too disappointed if we drop, you know, if we if we drop, it's it's to be expected that we'll drop games that we don't yeah. expect to, to drop. Um, but as long as we, you know, as long as we win the majority of our matches, um, you know, in, in somewhat of an eighty twenty rule um, that we've we've mentioned in the past, or at least I've brought up in the past in terms of you know player output. Um, twenty percent of the players doing eighty percent of the work, that sort of thing. Um, uh, if we can say, yeah, win eight out of ten, eight out of ten every matches, that that's something to to aim for. Um, well, that'd be terrific, obviously. Um, but we're set with you know we're we're seven and we're seven and one. We can probably if like we don't like losing. But we're in a position where we, it, it's not the end of the world if we were to drop, um, you know, a match or two. We can't obviously flirt with form too much, but, um, you know, we can't expect to win every week either. So last week on Talking Footy, uh, the champ, they got the champion data guys to go through and do the predictions for the rest of the year from last week's point in time. And they ended up having Geelong from 22 games played with 19 wins and only the three losses. So going off that, that's a pretty confident sort of vote for us going into all the games. We're only expected to lose two from the rest of the year, and obviously that's going to be really hard to do. But from our forms so far this year, I reckon if we lose four from here is acceptable, or four total is acceptable. Yeah, yeah, we finished the season... We finished the season last year with 11 wins. Now, we've already clocked up seven. seven. We're not even halfway through the season yet. Now, you look at, we've got four rounds until the bye. Bulldogs this week, who last year were our bogey team. Obviously, we won't mention too much in terms of that match. Some bad memories towards yeah. the end. <laughs> Gold Coast following that. Sydney in Geelong. Sydney in Geelong. And then Richmond. So that's four matches before the bye. So for me, Gold Coast is a tick win, no excuses. For me, Sydney in Geelong is a tick win, no excuses. With their list this season, how they're playing. Uh, yeah. I know they came off a win against Essendon, but Essendon, they were atrocious. Let's be honest. They, they were atrocious. Sydney as well, too. They did. So if we can get these next three matches... We're then playing Richmond before the bye. And to be fair to Richmond, they're a very, very competitive outfit. So who knows what will happen then. But a home match against Western Bulldogs at Kenya Park. There's four matches to go before the bye. Let's try to get as many points as possible. Bulldogs played Brisbane on the weekend. And they got the win in the end. Um, a few players that have kind of mined a fire at some stages this season really, really stood up. Josh Dunkley, 36 disposals. Lockie Hunter, 32. Mm-hmm. Sam Lloyd from Richmond, a few goals and using the ball really, really well, along with five tackles. Trengrave, another one, uh, former Port Adelaide as well. Six tackles, a couple of goals. The Bont in Bendigo, 26 disposals, along with McRae, 28 disposals. So the midfield did get a lot of the ball. Aaron Norton up forward looks a bit of a, a little revelation this season for Western Bulldogs. The astronaut, as they're calling him. <laughs> the yeah, he's a, he's a gun. Um, but in terms of our uh, fixturing, I would be... I'd be a bit disappointed if we didn't win three of the next four. Yeah. Well, I came out of the GWS match. That was a very close match, and... You remember after that recording how disappointed I was after that close win. And GWS, to be fair to them, they 
played extremely well. Liam Cameron had executed his game plan to absolute perfection. But on you look at our lists compared to Western Bulldogs' list, and the difference is this year we're playing at home. We're not playing at Docklands. That's the big difference. Mm. We've improved compared to last year. Our pressure is immense. We're blooding young kids in the center. Uh, Jack, uh, sorry, uh, Jordan Clark on the wing and Charlie Constable in the center now, along with these young kids up forward. So we do have a better list than them. We do have a better 22 than Western Bulldogs. The nervy thing is, is which, which Western Bulldogs are we going to see? Are we going to see the Western Bulldogs that lost to Gold Coast? Or are we going to see the Western Bulldogs that came against Richmond and absolutely flogged them and it looks like it was shades of 2016 again? They're that kind of club that you just don't know what to expect any week at all. <laughs> Jake, I'm not sure how you're predicting this one upcoming. Liver's also had a great season. To be fair to him, constantly getting around 20, 25 disposals at least. Um, JJ at the back looks like he's getting more back to himself, but I still don't think they've got a very solid back line. No, Crozier's they been are... a great for them this year too from Fremantle. He's offered them mm. a bit of run and carry, and he's actually a pretty good one-on-one player, and we've seen him a couple of times already this season take some really absolute screamer marks. Um, I think. When they're on, they can obviously really be on. They obviously came out and smashed Richmond, and they played pretty well against Brisbane in patches too, especially in the second half. But it's in the middle where they have their big guns with Bontempelli and Liver and McRae especially. And, you know, Dunkley, as you said, has just gone back into some really good form in the last couple of weeks as well. And Ol, as you mentioned, the astronaut up forward has been a revelation. is fantastic. And if he gets off the chain, which I don't think he will against our pretty experienced defence, a lot of people were frothing over his nine contested mark or 11 contested mark performance the other day, but they forget it was against the Richmond side without Asprey or Rance. So I think our defenders would have a better chance of uh, quelling Norton's you know, strong hands and influence on the game. But yeah, they, they can definitely um, you know, turn up and their, their bite might be strong and they could nip us in the bud if we're not careful. But at home, I think we'd be okay. So... Yeah, I think the home ground advantage does play some um, significant role in, in a game like this. And um, quite often, perhaps not in the case of the Western Bulldogs, but in the case of, um, in the case of teams that we expect to be uh, better or expect to be more competitive, quite often they just don't show up in the game's down here in in Geelong. Um, You know, like, we know Melbourne at their best are a quality outfit and we're, you know, one game away from a a grand final berth uh, for the first time in, you know, nearly uh, 20 years. Um, And we know that West Coast were reigning premiers, but in both the home games against Geelong... They were, yeah, they were just, just dominated, and um, that that's also been the case. Uh, perhaps not this year, obviously, but that's also been the case with GWS um, in in recent years. Um, we've managed to get on top of them, and you know, you go into the game a bit a, a bit more nervy about these quality outfits, but then we just know the dimensions of the ground, or or. More often than not, we know the dimensions of the ground better than the opposition, and we just work it out. So, um, you know, there's there's certainly an argument to suggest that for all of uh, the the turning into good form for the uh, bulldog, that it might just be one of those games where we're a little bit nervy going into it, but then it just turns out to be us, you know, comfortable in the end. Um, I would suggest that we still have enough quality to to uh, defeat the Bulldogs this week, particularly if Selwood comes back and has a you know an impact as we would expect. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really confident. The reasons being, Reece Stanley against Jackson Trengrove, or whether it be Tim English coming into the team this week, Stanley has the upper match on that, and he'll win the hitouts. He'll get around the ground a bit more. 
frees up Sav as well to rotate. The back line, I don't think it really is that strong on paper. Eastern Waters captain, I don't think the back line really is that strong. Aaron Norton, as as big of a leap as he does have, as we pointed out in our own side for, for Gary Rowan, is he really a match for the likes of Tom Stewart, Jay Collier, maybe Mark Blitzarves? I don't think so. If we're talking about Blitzarves breaking even against Ben Brown and their biggest threat is Aaron Norton mm. at our home ground, uh, I don't think so. So it'll come to, for me, the midfield battle where they do have the likes of Blount and Libar. Uh, Caleb Daniel, Daniel being a, a little pest this year, and he's been <laughs> fantastic. Josh Dunkley pushing, and Mitch, Mitch Wallace pushing from mid to forward as well, along with that, along with Jackson McRae, who's a really, really good footballer. But you look at our side as well, and the last two weeks there's an argument that Danger really hasn't performed to Dangerfield standard, although he was at full forward for large portions of the, the North Melbourne match. But we have the likes of Chook. We have the likes of Jordan Jordan Clark, who can swing on the wing. And on top of that, Charles Selwood can come back in. Other players can come back in. So I'd back in our team against those in a 22-match outfit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Final comments on the, the Western Board Saturday, Jake, at Kidney Park. Uh, a huge match upcoming, considering the teams that we do have to follow that. If I think if we can win, and this is realistic, if we can win three out of the next four, before the bye, we we put ourselves in an amazing position. The opposition we have, Bulldogs, if we can get past them, you'd expect four points against Gold Coast. Is You'd expect four points against Sydney at home, and then the Richmond match will be tough. Um, mm. So if we can win this match, we're setting ourselves up for a, a phenomenal res- result of position post the bye. Yeah, obviously, we'll, we'll still obviously take it one game at a time. But, you know, this, this week, um, like like you said, Ro, I'm feeling pretty confident that our team on paper can beat theirs and our team on the day will do their job and, and beat the uh, beat the dogs as well. Um, I'd like to see Sam Managola come back into the team. Not sure if that will be at the expense of anyone yet or not sure who will be at the expense. Well, we, we were discussing before that we didn't exactly know the the cause of Menegola's um, coming out from the team. Um, and obviously, Salwood came in late and then was out late again. But uh, I wouldn't actually mind. I know this might be controversial, but I wouldn't mind seeing Ablett come out for his rest. Um, I think if they wait to the bye, that might just be a little bit long for Gary. And, and I think he's had a couple of close calls, obviously, with those possible suspensions and tribunal matters. but. I think uh, we don't want to push his luck or his body too far, and I think this week might be a good week to uh, rest him, considering the more likelihood of a win at home. Uh, so if that's the case, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Menegola come in for Ablett and play that half-forward role that he's familiar with. And as well as Clark played, you know, maybe Selwood comes back in for Clark on the wing. Um, like I said, Clark played fantastically, but... I'd rather be having Selwood in um, after a couple of weeks' break anyway. So, The one likely omission with concussion, Gary Rowan, who do you think will fill his void, his void boys? Will it be Joel and Menegola coming back into the team and potentially Danger just setting more forward and Menegola maybe pushing more forward? And, or could it be an unexpected body? Uh, the likes of... Lockie Fogarty had a fantastic match in the VFL on the weekend, 27 disposals. Sam Simpson's been playing really well. Darcy Fort, three goals, just keeps pushing and pushing for a Ruckman to, who's able to just kick goals as well. Could we see a, a lineup that we didn't quite expect, or do we think it will be stock standard, Captain Courageous, or Manners back in the lineup? I think, I think it's pretty uh, settled. Um, up until now, I saw somewhere that uh, the Cats had only used like something like 26 players so far this season. Um, so you know things are remaining pretty uh, pretty settled, and I, I like the current dynamic that we have with the with the team. Um, 
in regards to Ablett getting a potential rest in the coming weeks, um, I wouldn't quite rest him, you know, touch wood, I wouldn't quite rest him for this game. I would be resting him for the Gold Coast game. Yeah. Out of, I guess, pure um, expectation that, that uh, the, the Gold Coast aren't of the same quality as, as the Bulldogs or of as Geelong. So um, yeah, I, I think that would probably fit better anyway, you know, because it's a it's an away game as well. So we'd probably just leave him in Geelong and not not have to make him travel. So yeah, so, yeah, probably probably next week would be better. Uh, Metricon have proved a feisty. Well, Gold Coast have proved a feisty side at Metricon so far this year. So that would be the main game that I wouldn't be wouldn't want to be getting complacent about because they have um, pumped us once there before a couple times actually. I think, but yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Ablett probably would be rested for that game. I'd say. We'd still want to uh, be, you know, on top of our game for the upcoming fortnight and the up, well, the upcoming month. Really, like this is another testing period, even though we uh, we expect to still do okay. Final predictions and cloud uh, upcoming cat of the week against Western Bulldogs. I'm gonna go actually with Cameron Guthrie, who's had a string of good performances. Uh, only mm-hmm. had the seventy-three percent time on ground. You consider that when Tom Stewart was off the field for a good twenty minutes or so, in the it came off early in the third quarter, came back on late in the third quarter. Cam Guth- Tom Stewart played seventy percent time on ground. Cam Guthrie the seventy-three percent. So there, there is maybe a, a limited time injuring coming back from his injury. But I thought he was fantastic when he did have the ball. When he's limited use of twenty-one disposals. I'm going to go Cam Guthrie again, just for that grunt. Cats by four goals. My my prediction, or my cloud of cat of the week, um, I'll probably go the same as, as last week, just because he's in, you know, r- ridiculous form. Um, You're on TK Tim again. Tim Kelly, yeah. Well, yep. that, I can't um, argue with you, but, um, but yeah, you, you, you're not the most imaginative picker, are you? <laughs> No, you know it's a winning formula. Why would you? Why would you um, deviate from it? Gaza for nothing and TK for TK free. TK for free. Yeah, yeah. that's the way. <laughs> that's the way it's going at the moment. Exactly. Both of them are in terrific form. Um, so you know, I expect both of them, just as I predicted last week, I expect both of them to have, um, you know, considerable impact. But I would say, uh, Tim Kelly will be. My cloud of cat of the week and the cats to win by, you know, the stock standard three goals. Go TK. Especially, I'm just looking at the 22 that we put out against North Melbourne. 11 out of the 22 players, half our team, come from the Geelong region. So um, you, the Tim Kelly off field saga will continue this season, but when you mm-hmm. have the likes of young kids like College Asney, Parfitt, uh, Tim Kelly at your club. To have a real homegrown presence and people that know this is Geelong, this is what Geelong stands for, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. Exactly. And there's also there's also the there's also the element of you know the teams the teams winning and they're playing well. Like yeah, you, you, you feel good. Surely you would feel good about being in a winning environment. Exactly. You know, and that yeah. would help settle in and and you know these sorts of things. So, um, you know that the 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 media circus, I guess, will continue throughout the year, but um, we we're very happy with the way he's playing. I mean, how can yeah, you he's be? still giving a hundred percent, which we can't. We literally cannot ask any more for what he's given so far this year, and whatever his decision ends up being at the at the end of the year, I think as a club we we'd still respect it. Obviously, we understand that he'd want to be going home, but um, all we can ask that is he's given a hundred percent, and he has so. Yeah, we'll see what happens at the end of the year. My cloud of cat of the week was goalless after the siren the last time these two clubs met. And he's going to keep Aaron Norton goalless this week too. Harry Taylor will have 21 touches and a few marks on Aaron Norton and keep him ineffective in Bulldogs' attack. Geelong to win by 37 points. I like wow, it. I like that one. There. Yeah, a bit of a bit of an ironic one. <laughs> it's all right. That's, that's, that's good. I like the uh, I like the positivity. 
we were all pretty close last week. 20 points, 23 points and 30 points. Didn't quite match it, but one of us did. Let's go again, boys. Four points on the cards. Actually in your park this week. Let's go, Catters. Yes, go, Cat. Go, Cat.